Hi there, my name is Chris King and welcome to this episode of the Food Is podcast, which aims to explore the issue of food waste, its causes, consequences, and the work being done to reduce it. In this episode, I'm speaking to Hunter Holder, founder of the ReFood movement in Portugal. Hunter is originally from the US, but has lived in Lisbon for many years. And in the five years that ReFood has existed, it has gone from one volunteer to 4,000 and serving 2,500 people 46,000 meals in a month. The organization is entirely volunteer run and focuses on addressing the issues of food waste and food poverty at a neighborhood level. I have to say that in the three years that I've been documenting the issue of food waste, this has to be the most impressive and effective initiative I've come across. It's a real inspiration and I hope that the concept is replicated the world over. The interview took place on the street at a cafe in Lisbon, so there's quite a bit of background noise, but it was the only option available to us and I hope it's not too distracting. Show notes for this episode are available at foodis.org.uk forward slash podcasts. And if you're working on a food waste initiative or know someone who is, please get in touch. It would be great to have you on the podcast in a future episode. You can email me at chris at foodis.org.uk. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Hunter. Enjoy. I went to dinner with my daughters. And we were sitting beside the salad bar uh, right near our booth. And my older daughter, who was 18 at the time, and uh, she said, well, you know, what's going to happen to this salad at the end of the night? It's going to the trash, because they're not going to try to sell it tomorrow. Nobody bought it. They have to make a new salad for tomorrow. It's going to the trash. And she said that that was a big shame. And she said, that's a shame. And I said, well, it is, but... You know, it's, that's just part of the story because they also have other food that they've prepared and the, the part that they don't sell and that they're not going to sell the next day will also go to the trash tonight. And she said, well, that's a big shame. The word in Portuguese is vergonha, which is more, more power, you know. Que vergonha. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, but it's not just this restaurant. It's every restaurant in Lisbon and every restaurant in the world. So the size of the the shame that we're talking about is not small. It's a big one. And so she didn't like any of that. She wanted to blame the people at the restaurant. And I told her that she couldn't do that. It's not their fault because they don't have an alternative. And that was the magic moment when the light went on inside when I said the word alternative. And uh, the, the first thought I had was, well, if there was an alternative, what shape would it take and how would it be? And I sat down that night and wrote the uh, rough draft of the refood movement. And, um, and very quickly thereafter, I showed it to my son, who at the time also had about, was about 18 or 19. And um, uh, because I, I value his counsel, <laughs> I still do. And, uh, and he said, he told me two things. He said, first, this will work. It's, it will definitely work. And second, it's universal. It'll work everywhere. So you need a, uh, you need a universal name, something like Re-refood, something like refood, and so there we got the name right there. And um, I think what's interesting about refood is, is it's certainly not the first uh, organization in the world to to rescue prepared food. We now rescue prepared food, distributed food, and agriculture. We now rescue across the spectrum. But in the beginning, it was just restaurants. Uh, but it's certainly not the first one. In in New York City, there is a uh, um, an entity called uh, City Harvest that's been doing for 30 years. And in Philadelphia, Phil Abundance. 
and then Australia, Oz Harvest, and then New Zealand, Kabutski. These things exist. But they, but, and I didn't know anything about any of this when I wrote the rough draft for Refood. I was completely, I had never worked with volunteers. I'd been a volunteer in Habitat for Humanity, but I, I had no background in working with volunteers. I had no background in food rescue. I didn't even know what food rescue was until I put it on Googled it and came to Wikipedia and got a quick education about food rescue. And I learned about City Harvest and Philadelphia, all of these. I, I knew nothing. And, um, and uh, so I'd already written the project before I got educated. But what I found was that all of these are super urban models that uh, count on big, um, big partners who have a lot of food waste and they go to them in refrigerated trucks, grab the prepared food, and, and then deliver it to institutions who already have their beneficiaries. Uh, and they do that on a, a large urban scale with a small team, volunteers, a small team of volunteers, uh, refrigerated trucks and moving between large donors and large institutions. And as it happens, ReFood is basically the opposite of that, but not by plan, <laughs> just as it happens. Right. So ReFood uh, designates a, a small urban area or suburban area, uh, which is you know, a couple of square kilometers, not a big area. Uh, the city of Lisbon is divided into 24 minor political units, which are called freguesias. And each one of these um, is, is uh, about the right size. So uh, I think we call those parishes. What do we call them? Boroughs, parishes, things like that. So, um, so that's basically the size of our operation. And what we do is we go to every single place in that geographical area to rescue the food. And sometimes they're big boys. Sometimes it's big supermarkets and that's great. But the mission is to go to each one. And some of them might say, no, we don't want to do it. Okay, our job is to knock on the door. We can't control the response. Uh, but we have, at this moment, uh, 1,231 partners uh, in 34 different communities. Some of those are the big boys and some of those are just small restaurants like the one we're sitting in. And um, uh, these partners are in 34 different communities from the north to south of Portugal. Half of which, exactly half, 17 are here in Lisbon, and the other 17 are in Braga, in Porto, in Covilhã, in Guarda, in Faro, all over the country. So these, this, uh, this is the big innovation of Reefer. We have, uh, we we like to think we have lots of innovations, but they all come from being micro local. Because what we can attain is we can really make a, a dent in, in uh, food waste because we're, we're covering the territory. Whereas in the super urban model, that truck is passing hundreds of restaurants on the way to the big boy and passing them again on the way back and cannot give them service. Yeah. They can't stop that food waste. They also are delivering their food to institutions who already have beneficiaries. So in fact, that benefit is in, the, or is, in, is in the budget of those institutions. Those institutions, instead of buying food and preparing it, they receive the food and give it. Yeah. So it's a big help for them in terms of budget. But they're not feeding new people. They're feeding the same people the institution was feeding. Whereas in our case, we, uh, we articulate with all of the providers in the local territory, the food providers, uh, other institutions that are already fighting hunger. 
and we uh, cross-check the names and make sure we're not duplicating, and we, we're, we're here to serve those who are not yet being served. Uh, and the third thing that's different about the, what I discovered when I Googled food, food rescue is that uh, in a large urban model, uh, you're moving a lot of food. In fact, that is the correct model if your objective is to rescue as much food as possible with as few people as possible and deliver it as quickly as possible. If that's your objective, that's the right model. But if your objective is to rescue all of the food and give it to the people who are not yet served and build community, then refood's the right model. Because everybody from the chef in the, inside the, the kitchen to the person who receives the food is in the same community and all of the volunteers and, and, the, and the support. The support comes from the local community. So it's kind of a self-sustaining local community movement uh, that gets everybody involved and resolves the problem locally. But it, is there an instance where one of the communities can't actually source enough food to um, feed the people here? Yes, there is. And that, that we call that Santa Clara, which is one of the freguesias. The, the northernmost freguesia in, Lis in Lisbon is Santa Clara. And Santa Clara has maybe, I don't know, 27 restaurants, the whole place. In terms of major partners, there are no major businesses there, none. And in terms of necessity, there are the major, what do you call them, social projects are there. I gotta take this. So you were just you were elaborating upon this one instance that you have where uh, you're not able to sustain the. Oh, in, in Santa Clara, yeah. Santa Clara. And so uh, you know the refood. Uh, it's micro local. The work is micro local, but the family is all through the city. So we move the food from from where it's in excess to where it's needed and, um, and and that's true through the whole movement because uh, they have no big companies there to support them but in in Awadish, which is a community right outside of Lisbon every major company in the world is there Oracle Microsoft you name it they're there and so uh, the fundraising that the, we don't actually do fundraising the, the donations that come from, from that that community can very well uh, go to pay the electricity in this one so it's a, it's a network of local communities that uh, mutually support. That's it. So they sustain themselves as best they can. Well, and e e each nucleo has to be self-sustaining. And then we have exceptions. Right. But there's, 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 uh, it's, it's not at all a hierarchical thing where they count on us. They, they, and, and this is not a burden because the work that we do in the community it's obvious we're rescuing thousands of meals, giving it to hundreds of people every day in, in every community. And, and the community is not indifferent to that. They, they will give you a place to do the work. They, someone will come, we want to pay the electricity, and another, here's a bicycle. And so the generosity of the community is not to be under, underestimated. And the way that we, as I said, we don't do fundraising, we don't sell anything, and we can't have our brand used in any uh, marketing or commercial purposes. Uh, but we do present our work to our neighbors and invite them to participate. And then how they participate is, is, is up to them. Uh, but we do have the responsibility to invite them. 
because we feel like that, uh, well, our mission has three mission points. One is to uh, rescue all good food in danger of being thrown away, channel that food to all of the people in the community who need it without exception, and to invite the entire community to participate in that work. So it's an equal mission point with the other two. And so if we don't make that invitation, we are excluding them, and we're about inclusion. So we have an obligation to present our work and to invite. And then they, they do what they want to do. I, there's an interesting case is the big uh, telephone company, which is right down the street here. And, and we went to their foundation and we uh, presented our work. And of course, on the way there, we're thinking, you know, these guys could give us telephones, internet, you know, that's their business. They could give us all that stuff. So we're imagining that, but we're not talking about it. Yep. So we go in and, and have a meeting with them. And they say, well, we, we do want to be partners with you. And here's our idea. We have lots of collaborators and we have a cafeteria. So we want to bring you our food every day. And we said, that's perfect. That's refood. So that was our partnership. Nothing about telephones, nothing about internet. That's what they wanted to do. And that has to be our, our approach in, in every community and with every potential partner. And so you, you touched upon how you kind of come across potential donors. Uh, how do you actually uh, access the people who need the food? How do you know, how do you... Well, well, first, we, 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 we're always the new kids on the block. So when we come to a community, there's already the Salvation Army, the Red Cross, uh, the churches. Uh, in, in Portugal, there's an entity of 500 years old called Misericordia, which means mercy. Uh, in town, there, there's, there's lots of... Um, uh, how do you say that in English? Lots of responses to, this, uh, to, the, to the problem of hunger not necessarily food waste, but to the problem of hunger, there are lots of responses already in place. But they're not taking care of the job because the job is big. So the first thing we do when we come to a new community, we form a new team and we pass out responsibilities, see who wants to, to be in the beneficiary area. And these managers, beneficiary managers, go and present our work to each one of these other institutions and invite them to partnership in any way they want to. And in some cases, we're very warmly received. Say, oh, we've got 40 people on our waiting list. Great, come and take these people. And others, you know, don't want to have anything to do with us. So, you know, it's, it's just the way it goes. But uh, our job, again, is to make the invitation. What the other ones do, that's up to them. So we, we get an insight immediately into the reality on the ground. And we see very quickly who might be our partners. And then it develops through time. And here we've been in this community for five years. It's the original community. And nowadays, when a family comes to the, the local uh, political unit or to the local church and say, we're having trouble, we can't feed the kids, they say, well, refood's right there, go there. And so we're, we now uh, become a reference in the community to receive these, these families. And, and of course, there's all these other, uh, all this other support that exists including the government. The government has uh, Social Security and thanks for people who fall out of work. And um, our, we want to be careful not to duplicate support, but we also uh, find that, that uh, in, in these, you know, when you're giving away money, it's very different than when you're giving away food. And so the government gives away money. And so there can be lots of people there that you know, want, want money and maybe they don't qualify or maybe they do. But the point is, it's different to give away money than give away food. 
And so they have a cutoff. You know, if you have an income of, uh, well, here it's pretty low, but five or 600 euros a month, then you're not going to get any support. Well, somebody who has an income of 500 euros a month is not necessarily okay at all. And so we find ourselves providing food for people who don't qualify for other programs. Because, not, because, uh, not because they should qualify, but because they need it. And so we, we want to know the reality of each family, and we want to serve them best we can. Uh, but we don't make value judgments about who should have food and who shouldn't. Uh, our job is to get more food because it's there. The food is there. It's there every day. It doesn't cost anything. It's perpetual. And uh, it's an incredible resource that for some reason we have ignored <laughs> all this time and suddenly woken up. <laughs> and so, leading on from that, why, why do you think people are waking up to it now? Why not? Why hasn't uh, more action been taken around food waste earlier? You know, that's, a, that's the $25,000 question, you know. Um, well, like I say, City Harvest started doing this 30 years ago in New York. So some people did wake up. Um, in my particular case, I had to hit rock bottom and have no income. I didn't start thinking about people with difficulties until I had difficulties. So maybe when the economy's good, everybody's interested in their next car or next vacation and not so interested in who might be hungry. But when I started thinking, you know, we might be hungry <laughs> here in a little while. Uh, that's when I started. So, but you know, in a, in, a, in a general way, why? I mean, we, we know we're throwing away a third of all the food produced. But did we just find that out yesterday? Maybe not. Maybe we already knew that. It just wasn't its time. I remember. That's enough. That's enough. In my in my village in in the in the states, somebody blows the horn. It's to say hello. Right. <laughs> so I'm always waving. Yeah. They also make gestures at me, but it's not waving. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I remember that the governor's wife, the governor of Virginia, she started a campaign called "Keep Virginia Green," and it was all about stop throwing trash on the ground. And now it's different. But it, that was what was happening. And then there was clean air and clean rivers. And so each thing seems to have its time. And food waste is on the front plate now. Um, I think that in the bigger picture, uh, in 50 years, we won't waste anything. And all that cardboard over there in that pile of trash, that's not going to be wasted in 50 years. That's not going to some dump. It's going to go to a place where it's repurposed and the mines will close because we will have mined everything that the earth has and uh, we'll reuse every everything and I think that it starts with food because food has a special uh, moral quality uh, it's it's wrong to throw anything away that can be reused but it's immoral to throw away good food when people are hungry so it has a it's like the 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 leading edge of of what I see as the, the new sustainable model. The first thing you do, you don't throw away good food. And when it comes to batteries and old tel cell phones and everything else, the, all that stuff is gonna be repurposed. Nothing will be thrown away. And I think this is the first 
the I can I got all this vocabulary in Portuguese and my English vocabulary has abandoned me. In Portuguese, it's the ponta de lança. So I guess that's cutting edge uh, of, of this. But I, I, I really believe that um, in very few years, nobody's going to be throwing away good food. And because, but, but it's also, you know, you can't really blame the people that throw it away every day if they don't have an alternative. You can't come down on somebody for doing something that they're not capable of accomplishing. You know, you wouldn't come to a guy in a wheelchair and say, get up, come on, let's go, let's go. You just wouldn't do it because he's not capable of doing it. And, and somebody that's tired at the end of the night and cleans the pots and pans in his restaurant and has to go home, can't really give him shit for, for not you know, going out for the rest of the night and giving the food to somebody. It's got to be a mechanism in place. Like in, in our house, uh, my daughters uh, ensure that all the trash is separated. If I throw the thing in the wrong bin, they're, they're going to be all over me. Uh, but if you don't have three different trash baskets, you can't separate the trash. So there has to be mechanisms involved. And refood is a tool. It is a mechanism for activating community resources, which are not just the tremendous amount of food. More than that, it's the tremendous amount of goodwill in volunteers and, and in partners. And, and when we can activate those resources, then we can do the job. And I think that's what's uh, good about refood is that it counts on the local resources to do the job. And those, those resources are there. When we throw away good food, uh, there's no there's no greater um, uh, put down or disvaluation. There's no greater disvaluation than throwing something in the trash. And to throw good food in the trash is to disvalue, disvalue an enormous resource. And we can't do that. And and to not invite citizens to be involved is another enormous resource because people do want to help, but they're busy. And so you have to present an uh, opportunity to help that fits into their lifestyles. In ReFood, we ask two hours once a week. And we find lots and lots of people that are ready to, to work under those conditions. And um, it's the year of uh, food waste in Portugal. It is. So, it's the national um, year of against food, uh, to fight food waste. Fight food waste. Combat. Combat is fight food waste. And uh, I've, I've heard that money has been made available at a national level to support initiatives. I imagine um, it has. But That's the way politics works. Yeah. <laughs> but what, are, what about at a legislative level? Is there anything happening in terms of government policy? Well, I, I was at a, I was at a, a meeting today um, in the in the Camero Municipal, which is the city hall, and um, there was one. Of, there were many speeches. The FAO and uh, Food Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. They spoke. The, the president of the republic spoke on a video. Um, the mayor spoke. Uh, the the commissioners of uh, the food plan against waste in the camp. A, a lot of big wigs spoke, and um, one of them was the agriculture secretary, Portuguese agriculture secretary. He's part of the government, and he said that before the end of this year, it's their ambition is to have legislation on the table. So there's there are indications that there that there will be legislation. 
what that's going to be, uh, if it makes sense, those are questions that I don't have any answer to. <laughs> but uh, but the, the fact is that this is a this is a very very big deal because this is actually about human survival because we can't survive with the model we have right now. Industrial agriculture is not producing uh, the best nutritious food. It is wearing out the soil and it is, um, it, it's, it's an unsustainable model. And throwing away, you know, half of, uh, a third of your salary is unthinkable for anybody, but throwing away a third of all the food we produce is happening. So uh, it, it needs to be a general mobilization, really to declare war is what we have to do because we have to change habits. When, when there was uh, war in Europe, rationing happened and you know every everybody was on the same uh, the same wavelength and people made sacrifices because we've got to overcome this or it'll overcome us and we've got the same thing here with climate and agriculture it's all tied together but it's it's not a it's not refood's not going to fix it and or any other uh, project it, it has to be attacked from all directions and legislation is one of those Legislation can produce incentives and disincentives, and uh, those should be put in place. Um, I'm actually, I'm open to what happens, but I, I would prefer that the big, the big uh, players, big supermarkets and agricultural cooperatives, I would prefer that they make the, make the ex excess food available uh, without penalty of law. I would prefer that they just make it available because our our particular economy in refood is a goodwill economy. Uh, none of our partners, these restaurants, none of them is, has any obligation to give us the food. None of the volunteers have any obligation to do the work and none of the partners have any obligation to support the work. So it is a goodwill economy and as soon as laws say you have to do this and you have to do that, you, I, th I think we lose something, but but I'm not saying there shouldn't be laws because maybe maybe it's necessary. If everything's voluntary from a supermarket perspective, does that not mean that there's therefore nobody monitoring them? At least if there's legislation and there's some sort of infrastructure, then somebody's going to be monitoring them. So they can't just kind of uh, say, oh, you know, we've initiated this and we're doing this and we're saving X number of uh, tons every year. And then they stop, you know, as soon as people forget about it and they yeah. said all that, then the initiative just kind of disappears. Well, that, that, that could very well happen. And in fact, uh, we've been three times to the Assembly of the Republic, the National uh, Legislature, uh, to auditions to be heard in the context of food waste and to make recommendations. And uh, the recommendation I made the last time we went, the first time we went was for for a general session different parties uh, and then the second time we went it was for the Vairds, the Greens uh, who and, and then the third time, the most recent time it was for the Socialists, which are the governing party, the ones who can actually do something and in that context I did uh, present an idea which I think um, could resolve uh, the the reticence of some of the bigger players to be involved uh, without punitive legislation. And it's, it's actually very simple. One of the best partners we have in the fight against food waste 
in Portugal is the um, entity charged with public security uh, around food, which in, in, in Portugal is called Azai, and they are the food police. And so they make sure that the, this restaurant has its uh, hygiene in order and um, trace where the food comes from and where it goes and follow up leads if somebody gets food poisoning, why did it happen, what was wrong. So they, they have competencies in different areas and one of those is food security. Another one is financial uh, and, and they have other competencies uh, within that organization. And so my suggestion was to, uh, to um, uh, endow them with another set of competencies which is to promote the donation of food which has lost its commercial value but not its nutritional value. Because uh, in the big food chains and in the restaurants, everybody listens to these people. They come in and say, oh, we can't have that. And everybody's paying attention, okay, we'll fix it right now. If they come in and say, uh, okay, what happens to this uh, when it's not sold? Well, we have to throw it away. No, 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 you have to donate it. So I, I'm just thinking that if they had competencies uh, to uh, even just suggest that I think that, that because their, 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 their role in society is um, uh, people pay, uh, the people who, who matter in food waste pay attention to them. So I, I, I would think that, that that would be a good solution because they already exist. They're already in all the restaurants. They're already in all the big distributors. They're already in the food chain. They're for food security. But food security is an interesting concept because uh, food security in one sense is the quality of the food and it's not going to poison anybody. In another sense, it means that you are secure that you have a meal at the end of the day. So food security has two meanings, and they're already working on one of those meetings, meanings, and they could do a lot to help with the other one if the government gave them those competencies. You know, they can't just decide to do it. Uh, so that was my recommendation to the government. Let's see what happens. <laughs> A great opportunity. It doesn't necessarily exist in other countries. You know, that, that they already are. Well, every country has the food police, you know. But in terms of how proactive they are and how respected they are. Well, respected or feared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest laughs I get when I do my public meetings in new cities is uh, someone will, because after my presentation, then we do questions. And somebody invariably asks, uh, and what about Azai? And I say immediately, Isaiah is our friend, and the whole place laughs because everybody's afraid of. Right. Right. <laughs> and in terms of the, the supermarket, I, I assume a lot of your sales actually have access to have built up relationships. We with, do, yes. With Us and many um, other associations, mm -hmm. associations that have nothing to do with food rescue, mm -hmm. but everything to do with feeding their their. You know, the people that are in the institution, uh, uh, an old folks' home, an orphanage. Uh, so some of the supermarket chains for, uh, it, not just recently, but for some years, have had a policy that nothing that can be eaten can be thrown away. It has to be donated to local uh, institutions. Others are new to that game and are governed by fear because they're protecting their business and imagining scenarios that are not very realistic, but which they imagine because they got to protect their business, give some things and not others. And so they still throw away a lot of stuff. And then others uh, are just beginning to, to turn the corner on that. But it's, it's a clear movement in society 
uh, I mean, nobody, I think nobody is dumping the food in a dumpster and throwing uh, bleach on it anymore. So, so it is certainly moving. Uh, I would like to be able to say that it, maybe it's moving because people are concerned about hunger in their communities. I think it's more likely they're concerned about their reputation with their customers. <laughs> and, and in terms of their donation and the way that they approach it, is there ever an instance where they're simply pushing food waste further along the chain? So Giving us bad food? Exactly. Oh, well, uh, there are instances of this, but I don't think they're... I don't think their um, their policy is this. I think that, that maybe the person who's separating the food uh, doesn't know the difference. But uh, you know, we have a responsibility because we're um, we have a, a status. Our association was uh, qualified for a status, which here is called EPSS. It means it means that we're recognized by the government Social Security as being an entity of public value. And therefore, donations to us, whether they're in money or in food, uh, have a certain value for the person or entity that gave that. And so we, we make a receipt for what we receive, uh, and it's worth 140% of the value. So if someone gives us a, an excellent space for an for a, a operation center, and it has a market value of 1,000 euros a month, then we will write a, uh, every month we'll write this uh, receipt, which will be worth 1,400 euros to them when they reduce it from their taxable income, something like that. Okay, so, so it's an incentive. And, um, and so there's room for abuse there because some might say, well, you know, I'd like to rent this for 1,000, but if you guys, you give me, two th give me a receipt for 2,000 and then you guys can have it. Well, we're not gonna do that, that's unethical. So in the same way, if, if a supermarket gives us you know, 10, ten big boxes of tomatoes and two of them are good and eight of them are completely rotten, then it's the exact same, it's an unethical situation and we can't do that. So we have to monitor the true value of, the, of, the, of what we receive and, and, and make the receipts uh, in, in accordance with that, with that value, uh, which is not that hard to do. Uh, it's, and, and if we have you know big boxes of apples and there's a rotten apple here and there, we don't say a word because we don't want to stop the apple from coming. We can also, but but if the whole thing is you know trash, it's okay. Well, maybe you don't understand, but we're feeding people, and this maybe would work for animals, but maybe not. But you know we can't take it. But we try to be polite about it. You know we don't want to turn off the faucet. <laughs> what do you see as the future for refood? Because you know, if legislation does come into play, and if supermarkets do reduce the amount of food that uh, they're wasting up and down the supply chain, then would that not reduce the amount of food that you then have access to? I don't think so. I don't think so because uh, what the dynamic is different in each point in the food chain. But if we start with uh, we start with the consumer consumer area, which are restaurants, pastry shops, and homes, what we have there is um, a restaurant understands its business, but they have in general, but they have no idea how many people are coming to lunch and no idea how many people are coming to dinner, and they can never have any idea. So, 
they are either a, a frozen food to microwave to plate operation, which is not the case here, <laughs> or they prepare food and wait for customers. And so, uh, and there they have two choices. And I know restaurateurs who choose each one. My first, very first conversation with a restaurateur, Anch, Anch before uh, launching ReFood was with Carlos, who has a pastelaria pastry shop just across the street from my house. And I said, Carlos, I'm thinking about doing this thing with um, uh, food, excess food. And tell me something, at the end of the day, do you have food that you didn't sell? And he says, oh, no, 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 we have almost nothing. And I said, well, what about your lunch? You serve a big lunch? Uh, no, no, we always make less than we can sell. Because after it's all sold, then they can have, you know, uh, sandwiches or pastries or whatever. But no, we, we, we never have any of the food left over from lunch because we always underplay it. Um, so that's, a, that's an example of somebody who's trying not to have food waste. But every night when we come out of Carlos's place, we have bread, cakes, sandwiches, soup, all this stuff. So in his uh, efficiency plan, he's doing everything he can. But the, the, the reality is that you can't predict it. And, the, and, and in terms of business strategy, uh, you want to serve fresh stuff to your customers because there's other options. If you come in here and you have a, 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 a cake, and man, this, this is not from today, then you're not going to come back here. So there are uh, business forces involved that, uh, that assure that there is, in fact, excess food. And, and it's only food waste if it goes in the trash. For that, it's excess food. And one of our partners who, who has a, a growth rate right about the same as us, they started about the same time, they're, they're right here, the next one up, the one we tried to go in had the music. Well, they have been replicating all through Lisbon, and I think they have 20 or 30 uh, places now. And I spoke to one of the big dogs there, and I was asking him about it, because we always have lots of stuff from there. He said, no, 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 we have a policy of a 3% overproduction. We know what we're going to sell, and we produce 3% more. Because the person who comes in here five minutes before we close, we want them to have what they want. <laughs> so this is the the business strategy uh, is to please the customer. It's not to reduce food waste. It's to please the customer. And so, uh, and I think that if we're going to count on the businesses themselves to eliminate food waste, it's it, it's they're just covered up. I mean, it's not. It, it, it's not their mission. Their mission is to do their business. And that produces excess food. Somebody else's mission has to get, be to get that excess food. And, and that's why we've had so much success, because we've taken on that mission. We're not, you know, go around and tell people, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. We say, we're here to get this food to somebody that needs it. Okay, so take it. So in, in the way I see it, it's essential to have uh, an, an entity with a mission to do this. And that's not just in the consumer section, but in, in distribution and in agriculture. Uh, you can't tell the farmer that they have to pick this fruit that they can't sell. You can't do that. You have to say, uh, we have an entity that will come and pick that fruit for you. It won't cost you anything. Will you give it? They'll say yes. So you have to deal, with, you have to work with what's possible for, for, for the people who are already involved in it. They're not the bad guys. They, it's just not their mission.
And uh, where can people find out more about Dree? I suppose they could go to dree-food.org and find out just about everything they'd ever want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fooders Podcast. And please be sure to check out the ReFood website at re-food.org for more information on this amazing organization. And please visit the Foodies website at foodies.org.uk to find out more about the issue of food waste and about other initiatives I've documented in the UK and beyond. Once again, if you're involved in a food waste initiative or are working to reduce food waste within any sector or know someone who is, then please get in touch via chris at foodies.org.uk. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or SoundCloud and follow the initiative via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Food Is Wasted. Take care and thanks again for listening.